Warning! This episode is rated not safe for work for profanity, sexual innuendo, and general silliness. Record! It's recording! (laughs) (laughs) We always seem so surprised. I, I was going to say, we seem to start every podcast off with just us cackling. <laughs> well, we are witches, so. But what's new today is we have testosterone on the show. I got my buddy Kev. Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Kevin. I'm completely new to this. I have no idea what's going on. And apparently I've been brought on to make wildly inappropriate statements. So buckle up. It's going to be a ride. <laughs> it's fine. He's on the bus to hell with us. Yes. Brandy couldn't I've already, be here. I've already got the corner booth in Hell Reserve, so if anybody else is waiting for that, you're, there's a waiting list. <laughs> Unfortunately, Brandy could not be with us, but she is here with us in spirit. In spirit, yeah. So hopefully she'll be on part two coming hey. up, too. But she's a haunted bitch. She is a haunted bitch. But Kev used to podcast with me on Blow and Smoke. So you're not a stranger to the podcast process. No, but this one I am. And yeah, they're all you different. Are. So let's see where let's see where this night takes us. All right. So let's kick this bitch off then. Of course it's a book because it's me. Lunatic, The Rise and Fall of the American Asylum by Edward S. Gleason. Purchased this on my tour of the Trans Allegheny <laughs> Lunatic Asylum, which is in West Virginia. Okay, 92 pages of very concisely written material plus a tour, and now I have a two-parter podcast for you. So, I want to start off the conversation with saying that I've been in psych ward three times. Three times. I've been impatient. My husband worked at Western Allegheny. (laughs) Did he? Actually, I know three people that worked there. Oh, no, I was a patient, though, so I'm the crazy one. Do you remember the shooting that happened at Western Allegheny? No. Well, I know somebody, um, wait, what is it Western Allegheny? I, I think. Well, I, whatever the big psych hospital is in, in Pittsburgh. I think it's Western Allegheny. You mean Western Psych? Uh, yeah, Western Psych. Mm. So several years ago, there was a shooting there, and I actually know somebody that was there when it happened. Well, that sucks. Yeah, they're fine, but that sucks. <laughs> it sucks. But it could have sucked worse. Yes. Let's start with that. Okay. So before I can explain the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, I have to start with the 17th century perspective on mental disorders, which was the work of witches and demons and Satan himself. And we haven't gotten much farther today. (laughs) Tell me I'm not wrong. (laughs) You're not wrong. Well, what was interesting is in the 17th century, they used to actually drill holes in people's heads to release the demons, and they made public spectacle out of these executions of the crazy people. Bloodletting. Yeah, yeah. Um, Salem Witch Trials, 1692. All right, so 200,000 persons were murdered, most of which were female or people who could have been deemed as insane. Not as witches. They were today they would have just been insane. 18th century, though, you get advances in science and medicine. So uh there's some of that fear of the devil is being dispelled. However, people are still going around to vi- their village, rounding up the idiots and dumping them in the next town so that there's somebody else's problem. 
so when they did this, um, there's this influx of vagrants in society. So they just kind of shoved them off in prison cells with homicidal and violent offenders, which was not unlike modern hospitals today. So like if you ever go inpatient, you could be a mild person, but you could be in with the most severe cases like schizophrenics or um, cutters and, you know, extreme stuff. Um, hey, I resemble that remark. Resemble that remark? Yeah. Elaborate. I used to be a cutter. Oh, really? Yeah. That's why I got Toloha. The day that I got that is the day I vowed I'd stop doing it. Well, there you go. Actually, I know quite a few people who were cutters. Um, but and in some of... Go ahead. No, just some of the severe cases, if you're not a cutter... Right. Like one time I went over to my friend's house who was and he had tore up his entire arm and it was just dripping and was sitting on the floor and he was just smoking a cigarette like it was nothing. And I'm like, that's something that would be something. But in the past, right, you were chained naked in dungeons and you wallowed in your own filth, basically. Sounds like Um, a hell of a good time to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, we don't actually see facilities being built until 1773, Williamsburg, Virginia. It was a new hiding place for the incurable with, like, no treatment plans. The solution was literally beat the devil out of them. I was making Bob Ross reference. I was waiting for somebody, and it just did. Oh! Womp, 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 womp. The worst part is I should have gotten that. And I'm just like, okay, you're beating people. Like, we've discussed this. (laughs) You know, maybe I shouldn't queue up jokes anymore. I'm just going to leave it go. Feel feel free to interject. I'm going to stop expecting things. Um, Anyway, they thought it was intention-speaking behavior. Um, They even put these people on display, and you could go tour the loony bin just like it was a zoo. And they charged admission. And they'd give you, like, sticks to poke the crazies to make them act up. Sounds about right. Because that's how what you do with crazy people is is poke them with a stick. I mean, if you can't go on safari, you got to do something. Fair. All right. So after after you got this going on in 1773, you got Benjamin Rush. Anybody want to take a stab at who Benjamin Rush was? One of the founders of Rush? Founding father of the Declaration of Independence. Close. Oh. He was actually one of the first uh, people who were openly opposed to slavery as well. That's to his credit. Primarily, this dude was a doctor, though, and he got his MD at 19 years old. So if you want to feel inferior about your accomplishments thus far in your life, 19. Yeah, but back then there were like four different things you could learn about. It took no time at all. It's not that impressive. <laughs> plus plus the, the death rate was, or not death rate, but people died earlier than like they didn't live as long as they do today. Plus we've had two doctors on this show already and they're fucked. <laughs> you're, you know what? You're not wrong. Mm-mm, not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So he opened his first practice in the States at age 24 and became the air quote founding father of psychiatry. He was the first advocate for compassionate care of the mentally ill so his brilliant solution was to, you said it earlier, sex. Um, bleed the patients. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You're letting me down. Oh, bloodletting. 
I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I love asylum. I love lunatic asylums. Like, you picked a category that I could literally name <laughs> 10 things that he decided was a good idea. Okay, so basically his brilliant solution was to bleed these patients to purge them of, air quote, bad blood. They thought you literally had bad blood. Um, he invented this little wooden box that was placed against the vein, and it had retractable blades. Like, there were switch blades, and it would open up the vein and then retract to help the bloodletting process. Fuck that! Get leeches! Hey, his scar fire was a big hit. This is faster. You get more blood. Like, leeches are the easiest way to do this! <laughs> yeah, there, he also built this thing called a tranquilizer chair to restrict blood flow, but then it also had, like, a spinning apparatus attached to it, too. So it would uh, agitate you and get your blood flowing the exact opposite. I keep, like, picturing, like... That's a good way to get me to vomit. <laughs> At least you're not, like, Brandy making the vomiting sounds. I appreciate that. I don't I don't miss the <laughs> sound. Um, okay, so you don't really see a change in mental health until Dorothea, Dorothea Dix comes along. She was basically the mental... Uh, I'm tripping on my words today. I shouldn't drink before I do this shit. Or you should drink more. Amen, yes. Yes. I got absolutely twisted tea, half and half. Kev, what you got? Cherry Coke. I got wine. He's like, I didn't know we were drinking alcohol. He did, I warned him. I was already late. I didn't have time to make myself a cocktail. Would you, would you like me to pause so you can make yourself a cocktail? Nah, it's too much work. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, backing up. Dorothea Dix comes along, and she's the Mother Teresa of mental health. She was a teacher, a nurse, and a social reformer with a sordid past. So she was the eldest of three children to an abusive father and a mentally unstable mother. So she basically had to raise her two, her two brothers by herself, and they were like infants. At age 13, though, her more stable family came in, swooped up, and took her. And they were like super wealthy and connected. And through their encouragement and their funds, she opened up her first school for underprivileged girls two years later. And it was so successful that she had another one in Boston five years after that. So she was making some headway. So one day, 1841, she visits one of these jails and sees this bullshit going on and sets out on this lifelong crusade to fix it. Because apparently it's frowned upon to tour the insane asylum zoos and poke them with sticks. She thought this was a bad idea. So she actually used her family's connections to the Boston press to shame Massachusetts legisla legislator into more funding for a proper hospital. So they had one built in Trenton, New Jersey, 1848, and it was the first of its kind. And she actually wound up traveling to the U.S., all throughout the U.S., Europe, and Asia, for worldwide mental health advocacy changes and such. Weird fucking twist, though. She suffered her own mental breakdown and wound up checking into the Trenton Hospital that she helped find, founded um, and died there in 1887. Full circle. I would say I like it when a plan comes full circle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Tick Asylum was not its original title, but it's located in Western Virginia. It was constructed between 1858 and 1881, and it's one of the largest hand-cut stone masonry buildings in North America. 
um, and it's second in the world next to the Kremlin. So it's renowned for its Gothic Revival-style architecture. I had to throw that in there because of my degree. Um, but it was built by prison laborers. Of course what? it was. <laughs> I was going to say, how else do you build shit? Well, they brought in these Irish stonemasons to oversee the work, but then they, like, borrowed the the criminals to do the hard shit. But because there were Irish stonemasons, there are these weird faces in, like, the side of the oldest part of the building that's supposed to scare away mental health defects, almost like the same way that, what is it, those gargoyles on buildings are supposed to scare away bad spirits? yeah. Speaking of which, anybody start watching Gargoyles on Disney Plus yet? Because I did. I didn't know that was on Disney Plus. I'm going to have to tell my wife. She's, she's going to get down with that. Oh, my God. I lost my shit. I was so excited. Though I really want the the the, the big gruff guy with the uh, the party in the front and along in the back to hook up with uh, a police officer. Love a good never... mullet. Yeah. Especially Are you talking a... about the old show Gargoyles? Yes. It's on Disney Plus. Okay, well, and I refuse to pay for Disney Plus. I already so what you do is you find somebody with an account and then just take theirs. No, she's notoriously uh, against Disney. Like, I'm pro-Disney. No, she's- no, I'm not against Disney. Yes, I'm you are. Not. No, I'm not. I'm a realist. I enjoy Disney. I enjoy original Disney. I, st- I still love Disney, but I am also aware of who Walt Disney was. And unfortunately, because of watching a YouTuber, some of Disney has been ruined for me. <laughs> Actually, a lot of Disney has been ruined for me. I'm not anti-Disney. You know, it's not as bad as J.K. Rowling shooting the gays in the foot. That sucked. Yeah, I was a little shocked by that, honestly. That was a bigger blow than Disney. Like, you expect Disney to be a I'm more shocked pieces. that you were shocked by that. I am. Wait, why am I, Why is that a surprise? Because J.K. Rowling's been a turf forever. <laughs> like, are you just not paying attention? Like, what no. the fuck? I was yeah, a happy little not. Ravenclaw. I paid zero attention. All you gotta do is go on her Twitter for four seconds. Yeah, I don't, I don't do the Twitter. She's the literal worst. I don't follow people. Yeah, I don't buy celebrity. I followed the story, not the. And not like the my my whole my whole it. thing with Disney Plus is the same thing with like DC Plus. There are shows I want to watch on Disney Plus and like that DC fucking channel, but I'm not paying for five streaming services. Like, figure your shit out. Get on with like Amazon Prime or Hulu. You don't need your own damn channel. I have like eight streaming services and I pay for none of them. Also, I, I well still have. Also, I still have the, I'm pretty certain I still have the original Gargoyles movie on VHS. Nice. Now you just need a VHS player. (laughs) Actually, I think I might have one of those too. I think my parents still have theirs too. (laughs) I know at one point I did. I'm sure uh, Goodwill can hook you up. I derailed my own show. I know you did. It was great. (laughs) It's beautiful. Yeah, I did. I got really excited about gargoyles. All right, I'm going to double back. I'm, do- you're, I'm doing you're, it. You're entirely fucked. I got a PhD in tangents, so. <laughs> Good. Get on Get on your fucking horse or your soapbox. That's why I love you. I need, I, what do I call you? Unapologetically male. Yes. Yes, I, I need am. that. According to you. Yes. It's a, it's a compliment. Anyway. So okay. asylums. Yeah. So this entire hospital was design, designed. I cannot talk today. Sorry, Sound Maiden. 
you're fucked today. Stephanie English. a hard edit. Yeah. I'm, I'm good for tripping over my own feet and my own words. It's awesome. Okay. The entire hospital was designed by the renowned architect Richard Andrews following the Kirkbride plan. So now I got to tell you who the fuck Kirkbride is. So Dr. Thomas Kirk, Kirkbride was born 1809 to a Quaker family and was considered too frail and too fragile for the laborious tasks on a farm. So, you know, just, just too soft. Sounds good for me. <laughs> Phobia's manual label. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, wasn't, he was not built for this shit. So, but luckily his dad encouraged him into a medical career instead. So he started his, study, his studies, again, tender age of 18. So he was young. And he actually really wanted to procure a residency as a surgeon, but it was to like no avail. Instead, he was offered this post at Quaker Asylum near Philadelphia, um, which was actually more progressive at the time because the Quakers thought that these mental handicaps were ailments and they could be cured. So they used this like family friendly atmosphere with like no restraints. They played war ga- word games to kind of keep the patients mentally stimulated. Although playing war games would be fun too. I'm just <laughs> Word. I mean, I'm down for that. Put me in. I was going to say, hold on, wait. They got them playing war games? <laughs> what are they playing, like Risk? Yeah. <laughs> Little Stratego action? What's going on? I'm, whatever it is, I'm down. Let's play. Let's go. I got nothing to do for the next nine months. Let's play a rousing game of Risk. <laughs> Actually, I got Uno going on Nintendo Switch if you want to play with me. <laughs> oh, speaking of, I got, I got hooked on Animal Crossing. My life is over. We play animal. Wait, I play, I play. wait, Kev. Why are you not my friend on Nintendo Switch? I've known you for like a decade. What I the literal know. fuck? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll figure it out after the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming to your damn island. I found mm. something oh. amazing. What? So I was a deprived child, and I never got to experience the joys of the Oregon Trail. No. You know what I did find though. The, the Oregon Trail. It is Oregon Wait. Trail with zombies. I was because they have actually they actually have a handheld now that they sell. Yeah, I got the you card can play game. Oregon. Tra- I uh, I have the uh, no, it's like a handheld game. Oh, like with the little buttons and things. Yeah. Oh, one day I will right, play right, Oregon like Trail, but until hours. then, I have I have it with zombies. You know what? When I bought my keyboard. For my computer, I told them I wanted it to be so loud that it sounded like a 1992 computer room playing Oregon Trail. <laughs> the guy knew what I was talking about. I was like, yes. Oh, that's amazing. It's called tactile. It's a tactile keyboard, by the way. Okay. Redirecting, if I may. <laughs> um, I sh- I, I'm not drinking before podcasts again. This is a terrible idea. Okay, so Fantastic. the Quakers were playing... Fun games to keep the patient's mental stimulation and eventually leading to cures and reintegrating them back into society. So Kirkbride sees this shit. So sure, they're playing Oregon Trail, whatever makes you happy. But it's not a complete antidote to the problem 
But this doctor at this time sees, again, this unusual compassion for people. And he was noted for being particularly attendant to his patients and being particular kind. And this was recognized by his peers and, of course, led to promotions. So he became a stupid, a uh, stupid attendant, a superintendent. <laughs> superintendent. I, I thought you were going to be like, he became a stupid he was a superintendent and felt there were still improvements to be made for patient care. So he figured he would start with the building, the place that was holding these people because they were prisons. So um, the Kirkbride plan came into effect. And there are several asylums across neighboring states that use the same architectural elements proposed in this plan. So each room parlor and bathroom were supposed to be comfortably furnished. Fresh air and sunlight were considered essential to wellness. So they used bright colors in conjunction with giant windows with minimal bars. And no room was directly across from each other to allow for maximum light so that the healing could be maximized. You know, that's not a terrible idea, really. No, it's brilliant. However, the hospital that he designed was for 250 souls. It goes out the window, though, because in its peak, the same hospital in the 1950s had over 2,400 patients overcrowding this building and subsequent buildings that had become uh, dilapidated and in, in general poor care. So changes in the treatment of mental illness and physical deter deterioration. Thank you. Of the facility forced its closure in 1994, but it actually wasn't completely dissipated until 2011. And this crushed the local economy and it has yet to recover. So this is something you kind of like if you want to picture American Horror Story Asylum, it's kind of accurate in a weird way. That, that season pissed me off. That was one of my favorite seasons. Kev, you don't watch American Horror Story, do you? No, I don't. That's fair. I was so looking forward to that season. That season so disappointed me. It's so good. I'll, I'll tell you so why in not. part two. I will tell you why in part two, I'm why it's fine. good. And then you can go ahead and tell me a shit. I will. <laughs> mm. So early stages of the construction, though. Okay, because you're not going to realize why this place is so significant if you don't go over the whole history or otherwise we don't have a show. It's over. You guys can go home. <laughs> Wait, wait, you are hungry. Ammo. Yeah. <laughs> you dragged me off my couch for this. I did. I need water. I'm going to just put my beverage over here. I was having a great time playing the new Call of Duty game. Next thing I know, I get a text from you and I'm out here. You're smoking a cigar. Shut up. You're fine. You're not wrong. <laughs> okay. Hospital. In the early stages of its construction... Nearby Fort Sumter, and it is Sumter, was bombarded by hostiles spurned by the Civil War. So Civil War breaks out. The southernmost wing had just barely been completed, and the basement and foundation for a massive central structure had just been kind of excavated and started to be walled in. But Virginia's succession from the Union brought all non-war-related work to a halt. So pause on the building of the asylum. At 5 a.m. on June 30th, 1861, Colonel 
Erastus. Is that how you say it? E R. Yes, it's, it's Erastus. Yes. Erastus, Bernard Tyler, and his troops swept through the city of Weston under the guise of looking for Confederate, Confederate sympathizers. And when I say guys, that means that's not what they're really doing. The mission was to actually rob the West, the Weston branch of the Exchange Bank of Virginia, which had almost $30,000 in gold deposited by the state to provide wages for the labor on the new asylum. Tyler's objective was to seize the gold before it could be returned to Richmond and possibly used to support a rebellion. So the bankers woken up by all this commotion because they come in guns blazing. And uh, he lived on the second. Huh? As you do. As you do. Why can nobody do this shit silently? Self. They're not ninjas. It's some, they're Americans. So they're stupid. Big shocker. So the objective was to seize the gold, stop the rebellion. And this banker on the second floor wakes up to all these guns going off. And he was, uh, basically they shoved a gun in his face and demanded he turn over the contents of the vault. He wasn't exactly thrilled about this, but you don't really have an option when somebody's shoving a gun in your face. So um, the banker, McClandish, opened the vault and the men removed $27,000. You know, guess why they left the remaining $2,371.23? You don't want to be greedy. <laughs> why? They left it because it was due to creditors. It's well, okay to rob a them. bank. I know. I was just thinking, I was like, if that was my payment to a student loan company, though, I would want them to steal it. Don't leave it for them. Just take it. The money was taken to Wheeling where it could help fund the new state of Virginia, which in 1863 became West Virginia. So this raid, right next to the asylum, made West Virginia a state. So we have them to thank for West Virginia. Yes, you can thank. (laughs) Actually, I did find research while I was doing the research for the podcast where inbreeding was literally a thing because a lot of the patients coming into the asylum were inbred from local families in the area. I thought that was like just a joke people said, but in reality, it's the history of the state. Yeah. I have no idea. Listen, it's all relative. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's high class Lannister country right there. Okay, so the asylum becomes the grounds of Camp Tyler, establishing Weston as an important tactical position because it was vital. Uh, It was a vital position because all the well-traveled roads in the area intersected at that spot. So like Pittsburgh? Yeah, kind of. But out of like redneck hillbilly nowhere. (laughs) Because Weston has nothing in it. Even to this day, there's nothing in it. So. This, this route was important, not the town. But the completed southern wing of the asylum provided barracks and the main foundation served as a stable. Um, Confederate raids in 1862 and 1863 temporarily dislodged the Union troops. And in 1864, raiders were not only... Con- raiders confiscated more money off of poor Mr. McClandish. It was like $5,200 some dollars. 
And the asylum you got light was light that time. Huh? You got off light that time. Yeah, I did. The asylum was stripped of all food and clothing intended for its patients. Funny enough, though, this created an opportunity for the first game of baseball to be played on the great front lawn. First game of baseball in the United States was played at a sane asylum. So we have them to thank for baseball and West Virginia. I hate this yes. guy already. That's <laughs> it's the game of the crazies. I feel like golf is that, too. You have to be a certain level insane to 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 drive a tiny little ball over 18 holes and just drive around a cart and get drunk. Like I just, I don't it's really understand. just an excuse to, it's really just an excuse to drink. See, I, the only reason I can't agree with that is because I have family who love golf. Uncle loves golf. Grandfather loved golf. They golfed together, go on, went on. And my uncle still goes on yearly golfing outings and as far as i know neither one of them are very heavy drinkers but there is a special like just from knowing them there is a special level of i was gonna say are they special ed are they on a short bus what's going on so they're not but okay so for whatever reason my one Catholic school principal decided that the best thing to do for his students was to bring in somebody to teach us how the fuck to play golf. I don't, I don't understand the appeal of golf. I personally feel like, I don't know. Go- I, I, I have issues with golf. I don't understand. I've it. played a lot of golf. I don't life. understand anything. how you <laughs> like golf is meant to be a calming game. I don't understand how a game that is a sport that is meant to be calming can piss me off so much. You know what? I think I have a certain level of tolerance because of Happy Gilmore. You know what I mean? See, like I love Happy Gilmore and I love Putt Putt. I don't, I don't get golf. Maybe it's because yeah. it, instead of calming me, it, it greatly angers me. It's it, yeah. Mm. Okay. So they're playing baseball. It's a civil war. <laughs> Sadly enough, how though, we even got here. I, mm, I, my job is to get it back on track. Please derail, but then we gotta, we gotta bring it on back. Giddy up. Yeehaw. Okay. So sadly enough, because it's a civil war, this also necessis, necess, necessitates necessitated. the bare necessities, the bare necessities of life. I think I could say the damn word necessitated the need for the morgue to be built on the premises at the end of the war. The completion of the trans Allegheny lunatic asylum was prioritized because it was a primary economic resource for the entire central West Virginia. The civil war portion of the asylum though is still used today for drag queen shows. Dope. Yeah. That made me happy. You can go see the drag queens in a sand asylum. We need to do that. I said, I haven't been to a drag show in a minute. So Right? I seriously considered for my two-year anniversary this year, and I wish to God I would have done it. I missed up, passed up a great opportunity. But um, RuPaul was having a drag race right around my anniversary last year at the Benedum Center. Oh, you missed out. I was like, oh, I should totally take my husband. This would be awesome. And then I did, and I'm disappointed in myself. Well, you know, I'm 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 besties with a local drag queen, 
And of course you are. You know I am. She also agreed to come on in her persona for one of the episodes of the podcast. That does that does not surprise me. Did you know that if you I for, I can't think of the word right now, but oh, if you sponsor a drag queen, it's a tax rate off. Nice. Wow, I did not know that. Have get on that shit. Did you know that racehorses are a tax write-off? No. What? Yeah, if you own racehorses, you can write off the depreciation on the horses for like three years. That's crazy. A guy I know owns racehorses. That's how I found out. Learned some interesting things working in the shop, huh? You're not wrong. <laughs> he has like 13 I understand. He hasn't paid taxes in like years. I'm like, are you fucking cockback? <laughs> Learn a couple of things from him. So we're getting horses and we're sponsoring drag queens. And then we don't have to pay taxes. I am so in on this. This sounds like the best fucking idea we've drag ever. Drag queens on whole racing horses. Yes. yes the Look. jockeys are drag queens. We're doing this. We're making it happen. Good book is therapy for the soul. Escape to Soulless, a fantasy world where characters bound by love and desire must rise above to conquer all. Release your inhibitions and explore your sultry side with writing so hot, you'll get chills. Strands of Soulless, rewoven by Cheryl Sukachek. You can find this sexy tale on Amazon and Amazon Kindle now. <laughs> that a whole new term to drag race. I need to see that. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. We're doing it. It's happening. <laughs> try to redirect (laughs) yeah we have to redirect before we make stephanie like vomit from laughing again yeah i'm turning purple if you're on patreon you can see the video and i'm turning purple no you're not you're still pretty white you're making people pay to watch me yes i hope you give them a refund no so we're not maybe they'll pay extra they're just volunteering to pay and then they just get the enjoy the extra enjoyment of, of watching us I know, but they have to see me now. No, see, Kev's a, get, Kev's a good-looking, scruffy, what do they call that? Mountain see, now man. now I know you're full of shit. Mountain man. Now so I you, know you're blowing smoke up my ass. If you want to see his pretty face, it's $5 If I suck in it, will you believe her? No, I think you're both lying to me. <laughs> you just feel bad because you dragged me off the couch, so you're trying to butter me up. We've been like flirting around I for like what feel 10 bad. years? 10 years I've been flirting around with you, and that is a sustainable relationship because you're an attractive man. If you were a butt ass ugly man, I would not flirt with you for 10 years. Well, that doesn't help that most of the time you're drunk when you do it. Uh, maybe I should drink more. Hey, drink till he's <laughs> cute. Okay. By the fall of 1867, the Southern Wing was almost complete and the victorian asylum housed its first 45 patients 
There was a waiting list, though, so there was a rush to get everything ready and have everything furnished by the following April. There's still the issue of obtaining fresh water because their only source was West Fork River, and it's muddy and sluggy as shit. Still, they found time to add an administration building, kitchen, dispensary, storerooms, business offices, farms, an operational coal mine, bakery, and the auditorium doubled as a chapel. So what they're trying to do is build this completely self-sustaining community, and they actually sold off the coal to help support the local economy. So it was farmed also by prisoners and insane people getting that coal. I mean, they have a dispensary, so they're already ahead of the game. Yeah, right? They did build luxury housing for the doctors, which we toured, and the dormitory for the nurses and patient attendants. The trouble was the amount of time they spent on like these decorative walkways and landscaping because you have this backlog of patients in jail. So they were being criticized that that time could have been useful to train like doctors maybe or nurses or more patient attendants. You know, actual useful shit. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Because they needed that. So they're basically being judged as impractical before it's even open. So Kirkbride's catching some heat. Um, Victorians also thought bad air caused disease. So they spent a fortune on the latest ventilation air conditioning shit, which isn't real air conditioning. I guess it's just the way the air flows throughout the building to try to cool it down. Uh, that was installed too. So the actual hospital was called the West Virginia hospital for the insane. And it was finished in 1881. And by finished, I mean, sort of finished because they built up and tore down buildings over the years. So it was never like really done. Uh, it spanned a quarter of a mile with 10 acres of floor floor space. And by this time they had jumped up from 45 to 700 residents. So it spans a quarter mile. We know where to do our drag show. Our drag race. Yes. Right. Cause it's a quarter mile. There you go. Yeah, that gra- Yeah. The grounds are big enough. We're on it. We're there. We're, we got this. We're doing this. <laughs> Can't take notes. Over time, though, it became impossible to maintain the ideas of curative treatments. There were too many patients for private rooms. Sometimes up to eight people were stuffed into one. And if you watch my slideshow on YouTube, you can kind of see how little these rooms were. And weirdly enough, the insane were not being cured. They were only getting worse. But the overwhelmed facility was literally the only option. So they were stuffing eight pounds of shit into a one-pound sack. And there was no better choice. So so this is very contrary to Dorothea Dick's mission. And it was still a spectator sport to take a day trip to see the crazies. So they would picnic on the front lawn. Fun fact for you, Charles Dickinson visited a lunatic asylum in every country he went to to judge a nation's character. We fail. (laughs) Usually. So this is the best part. All right, so you got got a little bit of the history. So Victorian problems, 20th century treatments. You ready? Wait, Wait is this where we get into the good stuff? Yes. Fucking A. Yeah, I'm sorry. It took me a minute. Sorry, I like my history. No, it's fine. Okay. I was just kind of waiting. Like, there's so many things I want to talk about, and I'm like, be patient. Be patient. At least you didn't try to jump the gun on me. I appreciate it. Okay. So the most common diagnosis was chronic mania, which served as a catch-all 
just to remove these people from the streets. There are also a significant number of patients who had been traumatized by war. Army handed out opium and morphine like candy because there was no other options for pain management. The resulting addiction was called the army disease. So these are the first admissions that you're seeing. What's better is the awesome number of sex-related admissions because the Victorians believed an excess of sex and masturbation caused insanity. Kev, sorry to say you're insane. I was going to say, I, I get that. I, I understand the feels. The feels, yeah. And so the records indicated common sex-related reasons to be admitted included. This is the, this is the best part. Self-abuse, excessive sexual abuse, masturbation. Wait, excessive sexual, sexual yes. abuse? Yes. These are legit. I'm already, dis- I'm already disturbed. Yeah, they pulled this off the reports. Um, you were also admitted, there were patients admitted for syphilis, tobacco use and masturbation, suppressed I don't know anything about that. As you smoke your cigar. Suppressed masturbation, deranged masturbation, and my personal favorite, 30 years of masturbation. I'm only like 20, I'm fine. <laughs> 22, maybe, something like that. I got time, I'm good. I'm more than it. halfway there. <laughs> I was laughing in my mind writing these notes because I'm like, I've literally not used the word masturbation this much since I learned what it was in seventh grade. I'm like, okay. I did not learn what it was in seventh grade. Are you saying you had a leg up or were you a late bloomer? Um, that depends on how you mean that. So I didn't actually learn most, like, because I went to a Catholic school, like a small Catholic school for nine years. They didn't really teach us dick deadly about sex other than don't do it. Yeah, that's what I was taught too. So my my girlfriends filled me in. The girls I, I went to school with. Yeah, filled I, me in. I didn't have those kind of girlfriends. <laughs> I did not learn all the fun terms until like ninth grade. When I left Catholic school. Gotcha. Or well, I knew them. I just didn't associate with like what that meant. I didn't fully understand the terminology until ninth grade. Fair. Do you know what the cures were for masturbation? Electroshock. I have an idea. I, Kev, I think you would pick electroshock over what it actually is. You ready? For males, they either cauterized the genitals or did a full castration. Some kinky fucks, I'm in. <laughs> Look, I'm not here to kink shame. <laughs> Like somebody's into that. That's cool. <laughs> you you do you or somebody else with their consent. I'm not here to judge. There's a fetish for everything. Well, females were subjected to caustic chemical burns to their lady parts, cauterization of the clitoris with hot irons, or a complete clitoridectomy. So you just take it away altogether. Yeah. Adolescents caught masturbating were threatened with having their naughty parts mutilated as a deterrent. So that's where, you know, like you get your mom like, if you keep, don't stop wanking that thing, I'm going to chop it off. Well, they literally threatened that. Your face. <laughs> Kev's so, face, stoic. Your face is so calculating. Funny, so funny story. 
<laughs> I feel like I'm going to need a drink after this one. Yes. There's there's a comedian I really enjoy, and he did a small segment on his mom knowing about him masturbating as a adolescent. He's like, most moms don't bring it up. My mom did. You know, the stereotype of, like, guys jerking off in their sock. So he's like, oh, you think it's funny? I don't wash your socks. I throw away all your socks. You have two pairs of socks left for the rest of the year. (laughs) That's literally what I was thinking about there. Well, with the increasing number of cases and all these medical surgeries, someone, somewhere, got the bright idea just to use hand restraints or metal mittens. So they went from chopping it up to, hey, maybe we could do something else. Like, I, I don't understand... Why the mittens weren't the first thing that they... I don't understand why throughout history we've had to stop and suppress people from indulging in sexual pleasure. I hope you're being... I hope you're being facetious. No, I'm being serious. Like, why is this a problem? I'm sorry. sorry. You went to Catholic school and you don't understand why? No. Wow. I am post-Catholic and I understand why. I, I just, I don't understand why, why sexual pleasure is such a big problem. Because God said so. I want a, a vocal recording of God saying that, and then I'll believe you. I'm not saying I agree. I'm just <laughs> saying that's the reason. Like, you, can't, you, know, you can't tell me you went to a religious school for that long and don't understand that. No, I can't because I am pretty certain that I'm like the only person that came out of Catholic school and have more questions about that religion than answers. (laughs) Like I learned nothing about the religion. Let me give you the practical side decks just to frame it up for you. Okay. The, um, the Catholics don't believe in birth control. So they want to stop you from having sex so you don't wind up with the 20 kids that are normally associated with a Catholic, good Catholic family. No, see, I know these are all actual things. I don't understand the thinking behind it. I don't know. Ask Kellogg. Ask Henry Ford. They had plenty of literature That's on what it. I mean. So, like, I know these are things. I know that, that people actually think these things. I don't understand the thinking behind it. Well, I, think, I don't understand okay. it either, but okay. that's the reason. So, like, the Romans were very sexually enlightened, let's say. Even Fuck the everyone. Egyptians, very sexually enlightened, okay? Well, the Greeks. Yeah, Greeks. So you have, you have these cultures that are archaic in a way, so they're old, right? The Victorians on the dawn of enlightenment think that these are very um, primal, instincts and we're better than those instincts you we're not the monkeys picking our ass and eating the bugs in front of the kids in the zoo so we should be able to control our sexual impulses because we're enlightened we're smarter than that and in fact they're asking us to reject the very nature of what it is to be a human being because they think that it should be it should mean something else and i think it's bullshit i don't agree with it i think the fact that we repress our human instincts um, actually harm us more. Well, um, there are definitely anything. some some natural impulses that we should reject or try to control. I just, I, I don't know. But somebody's playing God. Somebody had to pick which ones to keep and which ones not to keep. 
And when you're talking about acts of passion, whether they're sexual or violent, those are the most extreme. So that's where you want to go for the control. If, if you were trying to control population, that's all I'm saying. I don't agree with it. I mean, Hey, if you do you, I mean, have at it as long as consent's involved, like Kez said, you do you or somebody else with their consent. Or more than once, somebody. Hey, whatever you yeah. want to do. If you get off with fruity pebbles, yeah, do it. You know, you want to get a razor and a camel and have some fun, whatever. No, it's, I don't need me out of it. It's I don't. It just it, it it encompasses a a whole a whole section of societal thinking that I just don't understand. I don't get. And we're well. That's because you're young. And, no, like, and we're so, actually. So no, we're like, in a different generation. We've 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 come out of like the '60s and '70s where they had a sexual revolution. So now it's hard to identify with these ways of thinking because sexuality is so present in current society. It's not just sexuality. It's why in the fuck do you have to worry about and and pass a judgment on what the fuck somebody else is doing if it is not interfering with your day in your life leave them the fuck alone i agree with you like i just i don't understand like the societal thinking of well because i disagree with that or i think it's wrong means you shouldn't do it Great. So to not torture Sound Maiden, I'm going to get back on track because yes, if it's over an hour, she's going to get upset at me. Yup. Okay. Ironically, Scandal rocked the asylum in 1899 when the superintendent, W.E. Strathers at the time, was accused of improper relation with two females on staff and one patient. Did they consent? No. The nurse said that he had come into her room late at night inappropriate you don't enter a woman's chamber late at night in victorian society and he would whisper at her will you be my pet so of course the only way out of this situation for the hospital was to slander the witnesses but he was still converted uh, convicted in a court of law and forced to step down by this time the residents at the asylum had grown over a thousand patients okay so restraints were not sanctioned by the Kirkby plan, but they went fuck it and did it anyway. This included straight jackets, wrist locks, legs bindings, rush chairs, and the Utica crib. Does anybody know what a Utica crib is? Uh, uh, possibly. All right. Well, it's not as fun as the leg binding, so I will tell you that much. It is a narrow wooden bed encaged in a wooden slats. And it was so tight to the body, there was no room to roll over. So they would load them up like cattle in these little crates and use them for transport. Or in the hospital, they would just shove them in there, lock it, and leave them to die. The attempt to calm patients, uh, they also used a number of drugs and curative concoctions. So we see the use of morphine, laxative to purge the demons, (laughs) I am not joking. No, I know you're not joking. Have you um, ever watched Dracula Dead and Loving It? Yes. <laughs> give him, give him an animal. <laughs> yes. That is, that's also in the road to wellness. It's a legit thing from the, that's, that joke is so funny because it's true. <laughs> I know, and it just kills me right now. 
Anyway, they would also give you narcotics to sleep and even have a little nip of booze if it meant you would sleep. So on the tour, you could actually see the apothecary. And my favorite thing was there was a legit bottle labeled medicinal whiskey and another jar labeled chocolate-coated strychnine arsenic tablets. I'm literally labeling all, labeling all of my alcohol from now on medical. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So this Kirkbride plan also called for only kind and gentle persons who were supportive of the patients so they didn't feel doomed. They were expected to never use profanities or violence unless their life was being threatened. Restraints were only supposed to be used if a doctor sanctioned it. In reality, these people are very poorly trained, and they have really high turnover rates. So they're barely scraping by on the show. So not much has changed. I was going to say, so most hospitals. Yep. So in the late 1850s, you see hydrotherapy. Yeah. So they used these hammocks suspended in tubs, canvas stretched over the top where only the head was exposed right? Real tight, um, tight opening. And patients were left in these baths for hours and sometimes even days. And they also would do like they do in those seclusion chambers where they would deprive you of sight and sound by bandaging the eyes and the ears. Um, it was, uh, the idea was that it slowed down the circulation system, again, blood control, And it would calm the patients down to treat insomnia, alcoholism, suicidal ideations, and agitated behaviors. So I think we're all due for a bath because I'm I'm drinking. The doctors also use this method called wet packing to cure restlessness. Do you know what wet packing is? No, but I'm probably not going to like it. (laughs) So they took a naked person. And they would wrap them in soaking sheets and blankets very tightly to restrict their movement, again, for hours and days. The problem was when the fabric dried, it would incubate the body heat, and some of the patients would succumb to suffocation as a result. Love it. In the 1920s, an investigation was held to determine the death of a 38-year-old woman who had only been inpatient in the hospital for a whopping 48 hours. So she was found restrained in this manner and covered in strange abrasions. She had been committed initially because she claimed to be the Virgin Mary. Upon arrival, she refused to eat and she sang really loudly, incessantly, and became violent when they tried to change her clothes. So they restrict, they used these restrictive sleeves, ankle bindings, and the sheet stretched across her abdomen to secure her to the bed. And when she was left unattended, they think that she most likely died of suffocation as well. The results of the investigation absolved the asylum of any neglect because they were deemed understaffed. There was only three physicians for 1,300 inmates and an average of one nurse per 25 patients, and there was zero funds to hire more. So the restraints were deemed as the only safe option for everybody involved with the problematic lunatics. Makes sense. So in the next day, the next decade, you see the hallmark of the insulin shock therapy. Yeah. Do you know what insulin shock therapy is? No. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. 
So there's no standard practice for this treatment. It varied between hospitals. But essentially, um, a patient received daily injections of insulin for an indiscriminate amount of time until they purposely rendered the patient comatose. Insulin in large doses can cause salvation, extreme perspiration, flushed pallor, and about a couple of hours of unconsciousness. The desired result, however, was the seizures that came from this treatment. It was considered therapeutic to jolt a person out of mental illness. Again, good orgasm was also a good way to jolt through somebody's body. I think those, you know, masturbating a female was much more humane than insulin shock therapy. And what sucks is, is these patients have permanent brain damage as a result if the treatments didn't kill them. They were so painful and so traumatic that patients complied just to avoid more, and the doctors held it as success because they saw a reduction in displays of insanity. So <laughs> it was avoidance therapy, really, at the end of the day. Yeah. Also, the asylum had been practicing eugenics since 1912. It wasn't legally sanctioned by the United States, but they sterilized epileptics, imbeciles, habitual criminals, persons suffering from reincurable and recurrent forms of insanity. The other reason they sterilized these patients is because if you came in there pregnant or you got pregnant while you were in the hospital, the babies became wards of the state. So they were sent to be taken care of by feeble-minded women until the age of 12, and then they were put in adult wards after this. So it was indeterminate uh, amount of these babies were being born because they didn't keep really good records. But once they were born in that hospital, they never left. So it was easier to sterilize because that was also contributing to the overpopulation of the asylum. By the 1930s, they were overrun, 1,300 patients and a new advanced surgical center had been built with a new morgue, autopsy lab that housed specimens and a cache of refrigerated bodies to study for science. That building's still there to this day. I was in it. And then you get your electroshock. Mm-hmm. 1940s. And it was a replacement for the insulin. Electrodes were placed on the temples with massive jolts to, ensure, uh, to induce those violent convulsions that they were looking at. Now, it took 40% of patients suffering broken bones until somebody, again, gets the bright idea, let's inject them with something to numb the sensation so they don't flail and break bones. And then they're left dazed with memory loss, nausea, headaches, but they had a docile patient with fewer psychotic episodes. They kept wards quiet, so they kept using it. And that's, that is it. That is, that is part one of the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. So, fun fact. Okay. My grandmother had electroshock done. What? Well, you can't just say that and not give me a story. She was I, she was depressed and had it done. My grandfather had her committed at one point. Depression and suicide runs in my family. Got it. Kev, I lost nothing, you. You're on nothing your super interesting. I'm still here. I'm just I'm I don't have anything to add, so I'm just listening. <laughs> I was done. 
We're, we're hitting towards the end of the episode. So what did you take away from your time here on the Macabre Academy? Because I know it's no blowing smoke. I know that. I mean, I knew people sucked before I came here, and I'm leaving knowing that people suck. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dev, Dex has this fun little segment that she likes to do, and it's yes. called... Phobia of the, the Week. Phobia of the week. Now, the last time she did this to me, I wound up losing my shit because she gave me the fear of virgins. That's the first time that Steph almost laughed while she vomited. I was like, oh, shit, I broke her, but in the good kind of way. Yeah, she popped my laugh until I almost throw up Cherry. Nice. I've I've literally never seen her. And the entire time I've I've known Steph, I've never seen her laugh at all. All right, so what, uh, my okay. expectations are high. What do you got for me? Now, this was a difficult one because there's a lot of phobias I can do for an insane asylum. So I decided to go with itrophobia. It's I-A-T-R-O-phobia. Fear mm-hmm. of doctors. I have that. I don't. I've literally gotten a fight with every doctor I've ever had, including a dentist. I think that has to do with more with your personality than anything else, Steph. My personality? Yes, you. I can be a dick. It's a thing. I I have I have two major fears that I'm aware of. One okay. they do have a name for, and one that I have not found a name for. Because it's irrational. All right. Lay, lay it on me. So my irrational fear is uh, fear of sewer grates and not because of the movie It. That has to be a thing. I can't. So far, I haven't found it. We can name it. We can make it a thing. Like like our fear of fears, Ferris wheels. Yeah. Like we invented the fear of Ferris wheels explicitly. Not just, not in heights. Ferris wheels. Yeah. Because like I have no problem with heights. Like I'm fine with heights, but I won't. Go! I will not go on a Ferris wheel. I refuse. Kev, you're good with big words. What do you got? You got to help us invent a word for Ferris. I'm googling to see. I'm googling to see if it's actually a thing. I'm trying to see if there's a name already. Oh, there's a name for it, but I can't fucking pronounce it. Spell, Spell it. it. That's what we do. Try. Spell go it. big or go home. Go big or go. Yeah, I'm just commit. Home. <laughs> We're all at home. So go big and stay home. There you go. Oh my god, there is no way I can pronounce this. Come on, just commit. Just try. I believe in it's you. It's the fun of the show. Just saying words we can't say. It's like coach a drop a phobia or some bullshit. C-O-C-A-C-O-H-Y-D-R-O phobia. I like your pronunciation. We're going to roll with it. I have to write it down. Yeah, we're going to roll with that. I'd put, it in, I'd put it in the chat window, but I don't think I can spell this again. Okay. If you Google it, it's the first thing that comes up on answers.com. There you go. So it's not irrational. There are other people who share your fear. Cool. Actually, you know, it'd be really nice if people tweeted at us that they also have that fear of sewer grades. Yeah. So it, like I said, it does not come because of the movie it or because of the weird ass story. My cousin told me about the popcorn man when I was a kid. What the um, hell's a popcorn man? So my one cousin, when we were kids, tried to tell me that 
the popcorn man lived in sewer grates and he would pop popcorn to get you to come closer and eat you. I didn't buy it because I don't like Oh, popcorn. that would kill me. I love me popcorn. That would, I, I enjoy that the taste of popcorn, but not enough to risk the pain in the ass feeling it is to get a husk stuck in your gums or on your tonsils. I won't do it. It's not no, worth it. You're too practical for that shit. I won't, I won't eat popcorn. It's not worth it. No, my fear Just of sewer... swallow a bowl, you'll be fine. No. <laughs> my fear of sewer grates comes from not wanting to fall through and shred my body to bits. They're not sharp enough for that. I'm too fat for that. Like, that is my She's fear, tiny. is to fall through. Like, for it to be, like, rusting and break and fall through. Like, you know what I mean? No. I mean, I can sympathize. Like, if you ever walk anywhere with me, you'll notice I walk around the damn face. I will not walk on sewer grates. Okay, so how about a non-offensive dare? Yes. Okay, my darling witches, it's time for your weekly non-offensive dare. You must be a Patreon to participate so you can earn points for your house. Each month, the house with the most points gets to vote on weekly non-offensive dares, topics of future episodes, and so much more. Each week, once you've gotten your dare, you must safely and creatively complete a post on social media so that we can see that you've done the task. You can tag us at Twitter at Macabre Academy, or you can tag us on Instagram at The Macabre Academy, and you must include a hashtag with your house name to obtain the points. The world is a fucked up place. These dares are designed to bring silliness and random acts of kindness into the world. You must safely complete your dare. If you are unsafe, your points will not be counted. You can also earn additional points for your house by being the first to submit episode corrections to us at themacabacademy at gmail.com. Also, if we use your ideas or stories in a future episode, more points may be awarded. Let's return to the podcast to see what your weekly non-offensive dare will be. Kevin, your guest, okay? So pick a number between 1 and 100. Number between 1 and 100. Let's split the difference and go with 50. I don't think we've got Ooh, 50. Kev's actually good at picking a number. It's right in the middle on the page where we have, like, no dare selected. Already improvement. Okay. Well, that's fine. Your Patreon dare this this week is to give the gift of song. Why? What, what's the face? I you love can't it. just make a face. Nobody can see your face. I love this is it. an audio medium. Yeah, you have to say the thing you're thinking. No, I don't. Yes, you do. If they, if they can't, have... No, if they can't see my face, I don't have to say the thing. I, you're making this sound. You're like, <sighs> if they want to see your face, they should subscribe and get the video podcast. Exactly. If they want to see my face and see the facial reactions I'm making, they should become Patreons. True. It's less than the price of a cigar, Kev. It's five bucks. It's also the uh, less than the price of a Starbucks coffee. So, you know, that's usually Brandy's argument. Yeah. 
All right. So the Patreon dare to get the house points is to give the gift of song. We just got to figure out, Dex, you're, you got the, you got the pipes. You should take one for the team this time. Sing a song on TikTok or something. All right. I believe in you. Kev, why don't you give our listeners a gift of song before we end the episode? Because I have a face for radio and a voice for silent pictures. (laughs) Okay, Kev. Okay. So we're at the end of the episode. Do you want to hang on for part two or are you done? Are you done with your I got trip? A whole, I got a whole travel humidor over here. I'm I'm good to go. You want to you want to tag on for part two with Brandy? Oh my oh, god, it'll god. be amazing with the four of us. Yes. Okay. So we're gonna end here, and with a little luck, Sound Maiden, our producer, is gonna be able to get both these episodes out this week. So you shouldn't have to wait a full week to get part two for Lunatic Asylum. And hopefully, I sober up enough just to give you the information. So that being said, have a great week. We're going to end the call, Kev, and then we'll call you back. Because for us, it's like five minutes. For the listeners, it's going to be a couple of days, okay? So I'll give you a new uh, link. I got, no- I got nothing going on. Perfect. Kev's in. Yes. Woo! Okay. This is where we say goodbye. So bye! you might want to make it good. Kev, you have to say bye. I can't end the episode until you say bye. Goodbye. <laughs> This podcast was brought to you by Nerdy Witch in partnership with Sound Maiden. We want to thank all of our wonderful Patreons. For updates, please follow the Macabre Academy on Facebook. Remember to like, share, and listen exclusively on Buzzsprout. Soon, we'll be available wherever you listen to podcasts.